Welcome to the WC Edge Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Leone, back with another solo episode. In today's episode, going to talk about late round running back targets, both from a macro perspective, what I'm looking at and trying to get out of these running backs from a strategy perspective, and from a micro standpoint, which running back specifically do I want to target? I did a Twitter thread on this, so I'm going to hit on those guys. Uh, you can follow me at Two Hats One Mike if you haven't seen that thread and expand upon those and add a few names to the list. But uh, before I do that, make sure that you're playing on underdog fantasy. It's a perfect way to get ready for your homely drafts, whatever drafts you have, because it's real money leagues, real money ADP, and that's going to prepare you. They have a crazy best ball tournament, best ball mania three, that's giving away $2 million to first place, a million dollars to second place, also a million dollar grand prize to the regular season points leader. So highly suggest playing there. And if you use promo code ETR, you'll get up to $100 first deposit match bonus. So uh, makes a ton of sense. Make sure you take advantage of that promo code ETR over on Underdog Fantasy. Now back to the late round running back targets. In my last episode, I went through the strategy of a zero running back or wide receiver heavy approach, why I think it makes sense in a lot of leagues. And the natural complement to that is you have to be pretty smart with your running back strategy late. If you're going to not devote draft capital to that early, you need to know which guys to target, what archetypes we want to target late, and how that fits into a managed league strategy. So first off, what am I looking for in a late round running back? If I've gone wide receiver heavy early or zero RB, there's a combination of things that I want. Um, But for the most part, I want talented backs that are in uncertain situations. So they have either questionable talent in front of them or uh, just an ambiguous backfield. I want the potential for high value touches. So they think offenses like Tampa Bay, the Chargers, these are offenses that devote a lot of targets and red zone touches to the running backs. And those are what high value touches are. That's something that Ben Gretsch, who was on the offseason projection special with me, has looked into a ton and is found to be super valuable. We want to be weary of guys that are getting, you know, called trap backs. These are the guys that are getting low value touches. You know, maybe they're getting 12 to 15 carries a game, but it's in between the 20s. They're not getting targets. They're getting subbed out at the goal line. These guys can become a problem and really not give you the fantasy upside that you need. The other thing I want is late season upside. One of the biggest facets and ideas of a wide receiver heavy early draft is that you can have this monster team by the end of the season. So we want backs that really look like they can ascend by the end of the year. Um, Think like Rashad Penny did this last year. We saw Devin Singletary down the stretch. Not that you could necessarily see that before the year, but these were backs that weren't at the top of their depth chart to start the year. They were able to ascend there and then win people their playoff formats. And a lot of times it's rookie backs that we're looking at because there's, you know, they have to work their way onto the field to start the year. They don't have a set job that's discounted in their ADP. But by the end of the year, the talent of a Brees Hall or something strikes through. Of course, you're not going to get Brees Hall late, but there is another rookie running back top of my list that you could get late. Before I say who that is, though, last thing I want to mention is mixing archetypes. Now, I have, uh, if you're watching this on the Establish the Run YouTube channel, I have up a little screen share of our late round running back article. It's got targets by round. 
and you can maneuver that a little bit. You know, it's based on your leaguing, sort of where guys are going. But targets by round also has an archetype for what type of target a player is. Because if you're real loose with running backs early, you're going to want to mix. You're going to want running backs that have a pass catching role, that have a base level of startability each year. So someone like Damian Pierce is really valuable now that he looks like he has a stranglehold on the Houston Texans starting running back job. So you take him in around eight, even if you haven't taken any running backs early, you're getting some base level of production to start the season out of a running back spot. But then you can take a swing on running backs, again, with this late season upside that I talked about, pure handcuff type backs, and Alexander Madison, Rashad White, Isaiah Spiller, those types of backs. The first back on my list, though, as far as my primary targets is Kenneth Walker. He has an injury right now, a hernia that he's dealing with. Doesn't sound like he's going to be ready for week one. At the very least, he's pretty questionable for week one. That obviously reduces his value a little bit because... A few weeks ago, he looked like he was a combination of startability to begin the year, because even if it was a split role, you could maybe send him out there in your starting lineup if you're real weak at running back. And that year-end upside, we don't get that combination now with the injury, or at least we shouldn't expect it. But the ADP is becoming so discounted that that's okay. Uh, With Kenneth Walker, we've got someone who's an elite rushing prospect, playerprofiler.com had him with a 96th percentile speed score and a 99th percentile college dominator rating. The high value touches here are actually shaky, which is counterintuitive to a lot of what I said earlier. But I think when you get a back that's this special in the run game on a team that's going to try to establish it with Pete Carroll, there's so much year-end upside. And I think he could be startable even just a few weeks into the season. You, You might not have to wait that long to deploy him. The next two backs on my list in this Twitter thread I did are very similar backs, Rashad White and Isaiah Spiller. Both rookie backs, they're both in backfields where there's a clear established starter in front of them, but there's some ambiguity in terms of the running backs behind them. And we've seen some disappointing starts to the career of Keyshawn Vaughn in Tampa Bay, of Josh Kelly for the Chargers. So there's a lot of opportunity for these backs to be the RB2 from day one, or at least move up there in short order. And as I hit on earlier, these offenses are high value target havens. So even if we don't get base value from these guys, and I think we could get some base value from Rashad White if he's able to work his way into a receiving role, really great receiving prospect, then that's okay because if they get that, if that contingent value hits with either there's an injury in front of them, or maybe Leonard Fournette, you know, just isn't as effective as he's been in the past, and Rashad White can leapfrog him or cut into that base workload. There's going to be so many fantasy points available that these guys can be true league winners. You know, the rate of them hitting is a lot lower than a Kenneth Walker, but if they do hit, these are backs that, let's say Austin Eckler and Leonard Fournette got injured, and Rashad White and Isaiah Spiller are next man up. I mean, they'd be going at the one-two turn in drafts. Like that's that's the type of upside we're talking about. And you want to take those swings, especially in managed leagues where you can drop guys and you can go through your lineup pretty easily. Fourth guy on my list, I really like Kenneth Gainwell. JJ Zachariasen of LateRound.com had a good write-up on him and his his prospect uh, profile. You can check that out over there. But he did a year two model, and Gainwell popped there because. People sort of dismiss how productive he was. You know, he was averaging a high, you know, fantasy points per game 
last season, the way it developed, I think people discounted it because he was really effective early. And then when the Eagles went to this true like ground and pound, ground and pound approach, Gainwell was left out a bit. I think this year, all signs point towards them wanting to be that more aggressive offense in the pass game. And Gainwell clearly has more juice than Boston Scott and like Jordan Howard, who's not there anymore. He's effective in the passing game. And I don't know if he has the workhorse type upside, but he could be that back that gets a lot of high value touches. He gets targets, he gets goal line work, and he's really fantasy viable as a result. So I think he can be startable out of the gate with some upside if Miles Sanders goes down or he just plays really well. Again, maybe not a true workhorse role, but enough pop that he's uh, an every week starter for you. So. Those are the four main running backs that I'm looking at. I want to go through some other ones, though, that I think are pretty interesting. Uh, one is on my screen right now in that running back target list article that Jack Miller, Mark Dink, and bringing myself have been working on over at ETR. We're constantly updating that, so make sure you check it out. But Daryl Henderson is an awesome option in round 11. Henderson gives you I think if this is more of a split, then people are basically assuming that Cam Akers is going to be the workhorse back because of how Sean McVay has operated historically. I think there's potential for that to happen, but it's not decided day one. This could be a split situation with Daryl Henderson getting the pass work, which would make him a viable starter each week, which is huge to get in the double digit round someone that can start for you right out of the gate if you've done a zero running back um, strategy and then if he does have that workhorse upside because cam Akers remains ineffective working back from the achilles injury or Akers gets hurt really high upside so again i like the combo bats there you know you get the combination of startability with high end upside Similar to Kenny Gainwell, he's going earlier than Gainwell, and he should because I think there's more of a defined role for him out of the gate. One other back that I'm looking at, um, let's let's look at some backs that go really late. So if I'm in a league like an FFPC or NFFC where you have a 10-person bench, real deep bench, I think Trey Sermon and Zach Moss are getting overlooked. These are backs and offenses that could score a lot of points and just on touchdown upside alone are interesting. And I think there's some ambiguity as to who the starting backs are here. And I've soured on Devin Singletary a little bit for Buffalo because I'm worried James Cook takes the pass down role from Singletary and Zach Moss is involved enough that he's going to get goal line touches. And now Singletary becomes a trap back. He's not completely off my radar, but you know, in my mind, I've moved him down to more like a round 11 type guy instead of the round nine guy he was early. And then the flip side of that is Zach Moss in basically the last round, you can take him. And if there's an injury to Singletary, I think he's going to have a really valuable role. Might not be a huge upside role, but like a clear startable player for you week in and week out. And then Sermon, you know, you've got Elijah Mitchell dealing with a hamstring injury. Everyone wants Tyrion Davis-Price to be the guy, and I think Tyrion Davis-Price is still a good late-round selection of his own, but we don't know the depth chart behind Elijah Mitchell. It could be Trey Sermon. We all want to cut him out because he stunk last year, but that's not how teams operate, and we have to be a little bit cognizant of how teams are actually operating, not just what we want to happen. So 
Um, he's someone that I think uh, you should be looking for pretty late in your drafts. I mentioned Damian Pierce earlier, but he's growing on me a lot. I'm a little bit worried about the upside in the Houston Texans backfield. And Pierce is gaining so much steam that he might go too early, but I think he's okay in round eight where you're going to get a clear starter from day one. And there's just some uncertainty there with, you know, maybe the offense isn't as terrible as we think it is. Maybe he has a full stranglehold on the job and it's like actually a workhorse type role. There's some, there's some viability there for sure. One other name I want to mention, people will kind of probably scoff and laugh, but with everything that's happened in Kansas city with the Isaiah Pacheco hype, I think that's made Jarek McKinnon and Ronald Jones interesting values. Again, this is more super late, deep bench leagues, not your home league necessarily. But again, the market sometimes can be overconfident. I mean, we've seen this situation in Kansas City before with Darwin Thompson was like a top 10 round pick a couple of years ago. And, you know, it became very clear that he was an absolute nothing. And uh, other guys were actually ahead of him despite the hype around him. We all wanted it to be him, the rookie that could catch passes. And it just wasn't. So I like Pacheco, a ton of Pacheco shares in Dynasty. But if you're going to give me McKinnon, especially because I think McKinnon has like a carved out pass down role, we've seen him in a playoff game be real productive in a workhorse type role for Kansas City. He's basically free. And then Ronald Jones, I want to use him to make the point about if you're in managed leagues, there's some merit to taking guys where we'll have an information reveal by the start of the season. And if we that information goes right, which is Ronald Jones somehow ends up as the RB2, despite all this Pacheco stuff, like we're pumped. Maybe he gets cut and re-signed somewhere where he can be pretty valuable. Like we're stoked. Like we've, we've made a lot of profit with Ronald Jones there. But if he's like fourth on the team in the depth chart or he gets cut and doesn't sign somewhere good or doesn't sign somewhere at all, he's an easy cut in managed leagues. And we want to cycle through as many bets as possible over the course of the season. So having a couple of spots with guys that maybe maybe they're a little bit longer shot type bets than some other running backs you could make. The order of the information reveal, we can use that to our advantage. So now we get maybe two bets out of one spot that was a little bit, both are a little bit worse than a different player we could take. But collectively, the probabilities shift in the favor of taking, of having the optionality to make more bets earlier in the season. That's something that I did with Elijah Mitchell in a couple of leagues last year, where I loved the athletic profile. I loved the upside of the San Francisco backfield, had no idea if the dude would even make the team. So my thought process with Mitchell in a couple of leagues last year was I can take him. If he makes the team, I'm playing with house money. If he doesn't make the team, he's an obvious cut and I can replace him. So um, these are some of the backs that I'm targeting and some of the ways I think through late round running backs, especially through the lens of if I've drafted a team very wide receiver heavy early. And, you know, how do I make that work? How do I survive the early part of the year while still getting that high end super team upside um, by the playoffs? And I'm hoping this helps you to do the same. Make sure you're checking out that late round running back strategy article on Established to Run. We're going to be updating it constantly from here to the start of the season. Make sure you're in the best position for your drafts as possible. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. Best luck this season. Thank you.